I'm Kate. And I'm Jesse. And you're listening to Cocktails and Content Creation. <laughs> Let's do this. You're trying to give your clients information, which is exactly what a blog post should do. It should be about feelings. It should be about information, not just bullet points. Welcome to Cocktails and Content Creation, the podcast dedicated to helping you easily create content with confidence. I'm Kane Andrews. And I'm Jesse Wyman. Welcome back to another episode of Cocktails and Content Creation. If you're enjoying the podcast, why not leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening? We'd love to hear what you think. Yes. And for this episode, we are going to talk about blogging and best SEO practices with our very own Kate Andrews, founder and editor of Fashionably Kate and Company and freelance copywriter and content writer. I'm so excited to talk all things blogging, but before we go any further, what are you drinking? Well, I'm super excited to be interviewing you. Okay, so (laughs) I am actually drinking a white Russian. Funny, one of my friends was talking about it the other day, and I was like, I have not had one of those in forever. I know. That was like a good starter drink. Yeah, and it was my first legal drink when I turned 21. We've talked about that. Yes, we have talked about it. So I am, yep. I'm having my my good starter, my very first oh. <laughs> my very first legal drink. I'm I'm doing it again. <laughs> well, so. you know, things come round and round. I mean, those go down so I think the reason why they're a good starter drink is because they do they go down so easily. So easy, so smooth. And it's mm. even though it's still like, you know, I do it on ice, even though it's like a colder drink and we're, you know, recording this in the dead of winter it still yeah. feels very warm maybe because it is a little bit heavier with like the cream and yeah it. I totally agree and and the coffee gives it that like roasted flavor mm-hmm. I don't know mm, now I really want one yeah and I'm just drinking water that's because <laughs> I have to keep my head about me because uh, for today's discussion I'm talking about my journey from actor to journalist to blogger and freelance writer which is all the hats not not as big a jump as you'd think. Um, I'll also be sharing why you should be blogging, which is something we have touched on before. I know a couple of times, not only in episode four with Courtney Finning, but also with Christine McShane. Um, a couple of people have talked about the the importance of blogging. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm just going to be one of those people who's going to reiterate it. Um, some of your best blogging practices, five SEO or search engine optimization tips to get your website seen, how I discipline myself to get to post two to three times a week, which I'll tell you folks, that was, it's, it's, it's easy now. It wasn't easy then. The things that every blog post should include and why blogging doesn't have to be a chore because, mm. you know, Jesse knows the secret to that. Well, I mean, it, it, you have to shift your mindset into thinking that it's not a chore. It's actually part of your strategy and we'll dive into that. Exactly. Um, but in, in 2020, small businesses that updated their blog regularly, did you know, generated 126% more leads than businesses that didn't blog, which is pretty impressive. And even better, 61% of consumers who made a purchase uh, did it because they saw a blog post, which is also Those amazing. numbers shocked me. Amazing. Um, the other thing is that I saw the firsthand effects of blogging. When I started posting twice a month, just twice a month for my own photography business uh, last year, and I saw a 300% increase in visitors to my website. So that was a huge, huge improvement. Um, And you, Kate, have been a big part of that. 
Um, and mainly because she is the person that writes my blog, but also keeps me on track. I call her the boss. <laughs> She's the boss. Yeah, I know. And then I feel so bad because you're actually the boss. And I'm when it comes to the blog, and I'm just like, hey, what are we doing here? I know. I know. I set it all up. And then I kind of just let Kate do her thing because she's so amazing (laughs) at it. And then I forget that I actually have to like review it and hit publish and that kind of thing. So Kate's always like, by the way, this is ready to go. Well, yeah, the other day it was like, I got a thing. So one of the things we use is Asana to keep us organized so that we don't have to be constantly. I mean, we text each other a lot, but so we're not like, hey, blog post is ready. And the other day I had clicked it and then I got an email that was like, you haven't done, I mean, it doesn't say this exactly, but you haven't done this yet. And I was like, no, I totally did. And I totally <laughs> clicked it. And I like, I texted you right away. I'm like, hey, I did this. I don't know what's going on. So yeah. Um. So what we're going to do today is I'm going to actually be interviewing Kate, Um. Kate Andrews, freelance writer and founder and editor of Sorry, founder and editor of Fashionally Kate and Company, who's going to be sharing with us all things blogging and SEO. So what do you think? Should we just jump right into it? Sure, why not? All right, Kate, here we go. So first and foremost, tell us about Fashionably Kate and Company and how it got started. Well, first off, it was, it was, um, and we, again, we've talked about this. I know we talked about this with um, Ashley Mason in episode eight, because I started off my blog in a similar way, um, although she started off much earlier. I started it in 2017 as an outlet for my passion. So I was working in a job. I had actually just left television. Um, and I wasn't loving this PR job that I was in. And so I just started it as an outlet for my passions and didn't treat it too seriously. Just kind of posted when I had an idea of something to post. And actually, if you go back and look at Fashionly Kate and Company, like any articles I actually posted from 2017, I think I deleted them because photography was bad. I hadn't really figured out my voice, even though I was a, you know, a trained professionally as a writer, I hadn't figured out my voice. So you won't actually see anything from 2017. I think the earliest stuff is 2018, um, which is when I got pregnant with Ariel. And it was after I had her that in 2019 that I took it full time. And, you know, it started off as fashion travel lifestyle. It evolved into motherhood. I share posts on my favorite mm-hmm. beauty products, styling tips, updates on REL, which is just kind of um, an easy an easy one, which has actually turned into updates about how I'm dealing with motherhood, which is not always so great <laughs> growing up. Travel right. guides. Um, but I, you know, as I said, I, I deleted a lot of stuff from 2017. And then 2018, there's only a couple of posts. It wasn't until I actually started writing for you, Jesse, that I really dug into it and started posting two to three times a week um, yeah and that's well, I, been I, fun I think I think your path is very similar to a lot of other creatives and that yes. you started it as like a creative outlet and I remember when you started it you actually yeah. like I'm really doing it and you got your website and it was great and you'd started is that around the same time you started your Instagram as well or did you start that first? You started that so first, I started right? No, I started the Instagram like in 2000, like right when Instagram started. People were like whispering about this thing. And I was like, oh, this is funny. And I was one of those people that was like slapping a picture of my cat with five different filters on it and everything. So mm-hmm, I mm-hmm. think I started the, in, like I started taking the Instagram seriously in 2017. Yes, that's right. Yeah. yeah. But I remember you launching this and it was really really great because I know you have been wanting to do it Mm -hmm. um but 
you know, so you talk about your work with me, but you've kind of always been into writing and into, you know, the world of journalism. So tell us a little bit about how, you know, that really started. How did you really get into it? Um, it's funny because as I said in the, in the beginning, I was an, I was, went to New York as an actor. Um, it's, you know, you can't tell anybody what they should be in life because no, (laughs) no, you just can't. And like, as a mom now, I'm realizing more and more, um, you can't tell a kid what to do. My mom told me years ago, because I had actually written a paper for the Daughters of the American Revolution when I was in seventh grade, and I won the DAR uh, award for that for Massachusetts. And she was like, you really are a pretty good writer. And she was an English major, so, you know, she she knew correct grammar and all this kind of stuff. She was like, you really have a knack for this. And I was like, no, I'm going to be an actress, and that's that. <laughs> and I loved, I still loved writing, but and it was something that came easy to me, which is, I think, one of the reasons why I was never really taking it seriously is because I always believe, like, you have to suffer or something like that mm. um, to get to do what you want to do. Like, that's such a misconception. I mean, granted, you know, you need to put the effort in, but it's such a misconception that you have to suffer or you have to, like, not be good at something and, like, ha- get good at it to have it be that thing you do. So, you know, my mom had been telling me this pretty much all my life, but I was going to be an actress in high school. That's all I basically focused on is acting. And then I get to New York City as a freshman in college. And I just discovered I really didn't love it as much as I thought. I love being in plays and stuff, but I didn't love the whole lifestyle. And so I, I, had, I had been considering switching majors to English just because English seemed like a safe bet. And I took a couple classes, and one of the classes I took, this professor, and I think I've talked about this before on on this show, one of the the professors gave us an assignment that we had to go to a play, and it was talk radio, and we had to write a review on it. And when I wrote it, not only did I get an A+, she wrote on my paper, like, she's like, you really should consider doing this for a a living, um, studying this. And so I ended up applying for journalism school at Emerson College, which happened to be right next door to where you worked at mm-hmm. the times, which funny, funny enough, um, went to Emerson as a journalism print and multimedia journalism student. 2008 was the year before I graduated from college when the economy went sour. So I went back for my master's in television, broadcast television journalism, ended up at a small station right after that as a produce, TV producer, news anchor, reporter, and I loved it. And then I decided, oh, I'm going to go big time. And so I jumped onto a local news station in Boston, bigger market, much bigger market, more mainstream media. And I absolutely hated it. I hated capitalizing on people's suffering and um, sensationalism. That just mm-hmm. wasn't, that mm-hmm. wasn't what I got into the yeah. game for. Yep. And so then I I don't know why I thought this was a good idea. If I didn't like capitalizing on people's suffering, why would I want to go to PR? But I did. Um, and that's why in 19- But PR, when you think about PR a lot, yeah. of, or at least when I think about it, it's like supposed to make you feel good. You know, it's supposed to make yeah. you, you know, usually when they're, well, there is be bad PR, but there's yeah. also, you know, intentional good PR. So maybe. And just- there definitely is that 
is that section of it. And, and for people, I'm not saying PR is not a great job. I'm not saying that people that do PR are all terrible people. That's not the case. You know, there's some really great people out there working in PR and, and they're doing it for a good reason. I mean, when you see, when you see somebody out there, um, talking about children's hospitals and, um, you know, obviously great organizations, they're doing PR, Mm -hmm. you know, it's not, so it's not like it's all evil. It's often called the dark side of journalism. Mm. A lot of time it isn't. It's just, you know, it has that rap because so many times when people talk about PR, they think about cleaning up a mess. Mm. Mm-hmm. And that's mostly what I was doing in yeah. this job is that it was um, it was for construction projects and everything. And, you know, basically it was – the basically people weren't doing their due diligence and then like informing people about what was going to go on in their neighborhoods. And then the people would complain and we'd have to go out there and like, yeah. Oh, sorry, mea culpa or whatever. So it just wasn't fulfilling personally. Yeah. Um, and so I, I stuck with it. Um, but then when I had Ariel, I just realized that how could I go back to a job that I was feeling? I mean, there was a lot of other stuff going on there. Um, you know, and we've talked about that, like sexual harassment and all that kind of stuff that goes into a whole other story. Mm -hmm. But I just figured even just even ignoring all of that, I couldn't do something that I hated Mm -hmm. so much and like, come home and take care of Ariel. It just wasn't going to work. So that's how that's why I decided to leave and like go into blogging full time. And then you came to me not long thereafter. And you were Mm -hmm. like, hey, I think it's important to be updating my blog, you know, would you be interested? And of course, I was thrilled. Right. So I I remember this specifically. So at the end of 2019, I had made a list of goals of what I would like to do with my business for 2020. And one of the things was really to be more consistent in my blog posting, because I knew the benefits of what I could do for my business. One, um, just, you know, educating and being a uh, presenting myself as the expert, you leveraging Mm -hmm. the blog as an outlet to show people I really know what I'm talking about, Mm -hmm. but also to drive traffic to my website and reach more people. So those are mainly the two things. But knowing at the same time as launching my course, um, I just knew I wouldn't have the time. So I was like, well, no better than the present to start outsourcing. And that was, um, you know, I, I debated just trying to Google somebody, but I was like, you know what? I actually know a writer. And I don't know if she would be interested in this because at this time you were still just writing for your own blog. Yeah. No idea if you were going to be even interested in like taking on more work, Mm -hmm. let alone writing for a photographer. But I knew that you knew my business. I was like, oh, this actually could be good. I'm just, and I know your voice interested in it. So, so that is really, and it's, and it's been probably my favorite collaboration of all times. Yeah. I have to say. Oh, good. It's just, it's just always, well, it's, it's <laughs> the last it's, thing I would have wanted is you to be like, man, I really actually don't. No, like this job. no, no, I no. love that. And that's how I got into, you know, taking on more clients as I realized that, um, you know, and I'm, and I don't, I don't take on everybody like, you know, and we've talked about this before saying no to people and everything. Um, if, if they're, if I'm, if I don't know enough about the product, um, I just, you know, I can't, I can't in good conscience take something on like that. But from there, you know, I've taken on a couple more clients here and there. And it's it's always been a really great experience. Um, and I just really enjoy it. It's, yeah. It's, it's, 
I know it sounds weird because a lot of people hate writing. And that's, a, that's actually a common thing that I hear when people come to me. They're like, I hate writing. I yeah. absolutely hate it. Or I can't write. Um, well, or, that's my, my problem is I'm not a great writer. I'm a terrible typist. So in yeah, addition I, to just having poor grammar and being a terrible typist, um, it's just a combination to, and I'm just, I just don't want to spend the time to try and make it perfect. So I, I see, I, here's the thing. Uh, we're going to get all philosophical here. I actually don't think to be a great writer that you have to be great with punctuation and grammar. I think of like, um, Hemingway, who I'm not a huge fan of Hemingway, but his sentences go on forever and ever and ever. And that, I mean, if you're looking at real grammar and all that kind of stuff, that wouldn't fly. That doesn't fly. But he's, you know, an amazing writer, mm. you know, and you, you actually are a very, there's a difference between a great writer and a compelling writer. And you are a very compelling writer. You know how to um, write to your audience. And mostly what I've done with your, and that's, that's, I feel like what I try to do with every client is I take your voice and I turn it into a blog post. Yeah. You know, and that's, you know, that's, that's what a blog post is, is it's, it's, supposed to be informational that's another thing that you have picked up on is the fact that you're not just dumping photos which I think we talked we talked about you know you're you're trying to give your clients information which is exactly what a blog post should do it should be about feelings it should be about information not just right you know the bullet points right so so in your your opinion what what I guess what is a blog Tell us what what a blog is. A blog is, um, as I said, it's like an online journal or an informational website. When it started in 1994, you know, do you remember Live Journal? Not that that was in 1994, but do you remember Live Journal? No, you didn't remember. You didn't have a Live Journal. No, remember, I don't like writing. Oh, that's right. Well, uh, yes, and I went to college with a bunch of like. Um, and I love them, but you know, very emotional theater geeks, and so we were all on Live Journal. Um, but in 1994 is when they got started and they, they, they basically started as like just a way for people to express themselves, like have their own space on the internet. Mm. And yeah. And that's what like live journal was, which I mean, now I'm dating myself, but, um, it was just a place, it was like going beyond MySpace and Facebook and giving you more space to like write down your thoughts and opinions on things. But people have turned it into a career, whether that's a brand or a business creating a blog and then like writing about their services or what their blog can do with their blog, what their, their, their products can do for you. Um, many people, as I said, have turned it into a career and they have sponsor posts, ads and affiliate marketing. They can be also travel guides. You know, we used to, I mean, I still go to like the New York times travel section when I do a lot of my planning, but you can also go to blogs that have travel guides. Um, and there are some that are even op-eds, you know, the, the like websites that we consider op-eds, like, you know, people commenting on anything going on. There's political blogs, you know. It allows right. anyone to make their opinion heard on any issue, which is why I feel like they're such an, a valuable part of our world. Yeah, and I think there's this misconception about blogs more recently being dead, right? That right. it's that they're useless or they're dead. Um, you know, I in the photography industry have seen this interesting shift. Whereas, you know, a few years ago, uh, you know, 
blogs probably were considered dead or useless because Mm -hmm. what was happening is photographers were just using it as a a dumping ground almost for their portfolio. Yeah. And, you know, just if they were a wedding photographer, just throwing up hundreds of images in their, in their blog and saying, Oh, here's this wedding from, you know, so-and-so clients. And it was taking place at this place and that place. Like, okay, that's cool. But, but people want more than that. Like your clients want to know like, okay, great. That's, that's awesome. That gives me an idea of the venue. It gives me an idea of the planner that like you've worked with. But what I've done and what I like to see um, in the industry and what I have seen in the industry is becoming more educational, showing that you are the expert, telling more of a story and using your images as a photographer, as supporting elements in that. So I'm not, I'm not, when I blog, I don't necessarily blog about a particular session. I will blog about a particular topic and use images from various sessions as a supporting element to that particular topic, whether it's about posing or prop use or location ideas. It's all about educating my audience in what they would find useful in using the images. So, so I don't know if you want to add to that about, you know, the, the idea that blogs, you know, are useless or dead. Oh no, absolutely. Because, you know, there were a lot of bloggers that were coming up in like the early 2000s. Well, I should say early. Yeah, early 2000s, some of mid mid 2000s, like people like Cupcakes and Cashmere, um, uh, which is Emily Schumann and um, the Damsel and Dior. Um, oh my goodness, there's so many that started with a blog. Mm-hmm. And then um, they got really popular, but then social media came around. Mm-hmm. And of course, they jumped on the social media train. Right. And, yeah. And most of them so still kind of shifted away from most of them still keep their blogs updated because the whole idea is that like, and this I've said this before, we, we've said this before, we don't own our social media, it could disappear tomorrow. And you know, then all of that work that we've done can be gone. And there's no way of us reaching our, you know, our audience anymore. Right. Um, so most of them do, but like, I know, I know a couple, like my, one of my favorites, um, the fashion bug blog is out of London. I don't think she's updated. I mean, granted she has three girls and she's due with her fourth child in a couple of months. So she's got a bit of a busy life, but she hasn't updated her website in years and she just relies on social media. Well, I think I just feel like you need to keep that pay that your own website alive. I would agree. I would agree for that very reason, but then take it a step further in that you are limited on social media to the amount of characters mm-hmm. that you can put. So if you're going to have any type of long form content, yeah, your Instagram post isn't going to be able to tell the entire story. Mm-hmm. You're going to run out of characters in that yeah. in that caption option. So I think being able to summarize and it's a great recap, marketing tool you know, to get people to be aware of what's available on your website, but it shouldn't be the only thing that you're doing. You know, hate to tell you that. Who's so, to anybody who else, else is thinking that blogs are dead? Well, and thinking about like what you should or shouldn't be doing, like why should, why should a business or brand, you know, even have a blog and use it? You know, you, you talked briefly about marketing, like why should it be part of your marketing strategy? Well, exactly what you said at the beginning, how you're, you know, you notice this huge jump in, in site mm-hmm. visits, you know, you're a small business in the Boston area, mm-hmm. you know, but seeing that kind of number for you, that was, that was huge. And, yeah. you know, especially, I feel like, I feel like, as I said, everybody should be blogging every 
major business. And I think you'll see a lot of major businesses actually do have a blog. Maybe they don't have to worry as much about traffic. So it's not updated as often as a lot of other ones. But if you have a small business, you know, getting people to your site is key. And Mm -hmm. blogging, keeping your website fresh, and that has everything to do with like search engine optimization, SEO, getting people to your website is going to make them aware of your services. And, you know, again, social media can be great in helping, helping get people to your website, but you should also be trying to do it without it, if that makes sense. Right. So that's sort of the, that was one of the reasons I really wanted to start my blog is, is to get that traffic to my website. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the SEO was a big piece of that. And I wanted to be able to show up high in the rankings on Google for like Boston brand photographer or Boston Mm -hmm. branding photographer. And now I do show up. I'm, I think I'm number one for Boston brand photographer and it wouldn't have been possible. At least I believe it would not have been possible if I wasn't blogging regularly and making sure that, you know, I was using all the best practices, AKA you are doing all the things for me behind the scenes. Um, you know, so why don't, why don't we, you know, dive in a a little bit about that? You know, a big, a big part of blogging is the SEO, um, the search engine optimization. So what can you tell us and what have you learned about that piece of it since you started blogging for yourself and for your clients? So when I first started out, I didn't know anything about SEO. I just was like, cause I actually, funny enough, sorry, I actually started a blog in 2011 where it was just like, it was kind of like the whole idea of just writing down my travels and I knew nothing about SEO and you won't even find that blog anymore. Cause I don't even know how to log into it. <laughs> I don't even remember the, the web. I think it was like, have Kate will travel or something. Like that. Um, and, I love you it. know, I, love I, it. yeah. So I knew nothing about it. Most people who start a blog or even their website, that's the whole thing. Most people who start a website or a blog don't know anything about SEO. And they think like, just because it's out there on the, in the universe, that people are going to come to it. They will and, build, if you build oh, it, they will come. Exactly. And that's totally not the case, you know, um, and you know, you can totally invest in, you know, marketing courses. And if you really not marketing, but yeah, marketing, because marketing actually is talking about SEO. So you can totally invest in courses on SEO and marketing, and that will really make you an expert, but it can be, it can be overwhelming. Um, so, and, so I know you have five, like you have five specific things five that are actually specific. really, really easy. You were just about to say yeah. like, it's super overwhelming, but like, let's, let's break if it you, down. Yeah. If you break it down, it's plan your keywords. I use Google keyword planner. Um, but you can also use, um, Uber suggest has a keyword planner and there's a bunch Moz. I think that's how you say Ooh, it. I Moz haven't heard is, that one yet. Yeah. They all have keyword planners. So basically like for me, um, I plug in like the, like a, the other day I was, well, actually I'm writing a post right now on being blonde, which seems like a really weird thing. Um, but how, what it took to get me to this white blonde that I have going on right now, which probably won't even be the case by the time we release this this episode, (laughs) um, because I've just changed it up so much. And I, you know, I'm right now I'm working on putting it together, but what I'll do is I'll go in and to my keyword planner and I'll type in, you know, blonde hair platinum and press enter and you get tons of keywords. And so you go through the list and uh, I know on the Google keyword planner, it's really easy. What you do is you just check them off. And then there's like this little box that you can push copy. And then I put them in my content planner 
And that is amazing. Yeah. And then what it does is I just bring it into the document and that I'm working on, on Google drive. And because Google drive is my fave. And as I'm writing it, I try to, I mean, obviously there's going to be some random stuff that you're just like, how am I ever going to fit that into the text of my blog? I try to fit it into the text of my blog. It doesn't always a hundred percent work that well, because as I said, you can get like for you, you know, a lot of yours is like, as you said, Boston branding photographer, Boston photographer, how are you going to search that? Like put that into your, your website, right? Which is the next step. Take those keywords and you add them, add them as alt text or title or whatever your website uses for your images. Yes. Um, this one I yeah. do know, but I'm going to let yes. you explain it. So, well, for, and especially for photographers, this one's a big one because if you like, cause you put in Boston branding photographer, y- you'll come up on image search. So if you go into Google and you, you know, you look up an image and you put in Boston branding photographer, because you have so many images on your website that relates to Boston branding photographer, you're going to come up and a bunch of your photos are going to pop up, which has happened for you. Yes. So that's another way you can use those keywords. That's number two. The third one is, again, using those keywords and you change your meta description and slug. This is one I especially didn't understand with the meta description. So the meta description is when you search something on Google or Bing or whatever, you get the website title, which is like your post title. Um, but that can even be like a, about me. This is not just for blogs, by the blog posts, by the way. This is for all of your, we should be doing oh, this yes. on all of your website pages. Um, changing your meta description so that it's not just blank or your first paragraph. You can certainly use pieces of your first paragraph, especially if you're using those keywords correctly. But you want to change your meta description so that underneath that dis- that title on your Google search page, it actually has like a good summary that includes a couple of your keywords in that meta description so that people will not only know what the post is about or know what the page is about, but they'll know that that's where they want to be going to if that's what they're looking up. Same and thing. So with this your, is done for like your blog, right? Like on the blog post page, right? So yeah, you can do this on actually any page on your website, or you should be able to do it on any page of your website. Um, I see decoy. Hi, decoy. Yes, he was wanting to be picked up. Oh, I see my cats are outside and just meowing at me like crazy. So I know that feeling. Okay, um, so and then the other thing is slug. Alt text, meta description. Okay, the slug. Yeah, tell us about. So that's so that's part of the meta oh, like description. Is like it's, sorry, it's not a, So the slug is like part of your URL. URL. Uh-huh. So it's the end of your oh. URL. Mm-hmm. So usually it's just ends up being your page or post title, but sometimes. If you're trying to be clever with your page, you know, post or page title, you might want to add a couple of your keywords at the end. So in other words, like my recent one um, was um, www.fashionlykateandcompany.com slash my sleep musts. But you can also add like beauty sleep, sleep essentials, so that people, again, that's going to help Google find when people search for sleep essentials or beauty sleep, you're going to come up. Gotcha. Next thing, add backlinks, which okay. seems like a weird thing to do. This is internal links, links from your own site. And it doesn't matter if you don't have any blog posts or whatever. Sometimes even if you're just referencing yourself, you can link to your about me page 
Or if you're talking about a product that you offer, link to that product page. And that's going to keep people on your site. And it's going to help with your bounce rate. And again, the better your bounce rate, the higher Google is going to, which means the more people, the longer people are staying on your website, the better Google is going to rank your page. Which I didn't know that about the bounce rate. Like I knew it's Mm -hmm. important to keep an eye on because the likelihood of people, if they're on your website longer, yeah. they're showing interest. So to me, if I exactly. had a bounce, uh, like a really high bounce rate, obviously I'm not doing enough to engage them. And therefore they might, obviously my content or my photos or my services aren't giving them what they need. But I didn't know that that was tied back to the Google ranking. So that's because Google figures that your page isn't providing like good the relevant con- the relevant not, search. not only not only relevant but just good content okay quality content you know this is and this is one of the reasons why and this is kind of another another point um google ranks posts like blog posts and pages that have 300 words or more as higher as well mm. um which i mean try to write a blog post that's you know Actually, a thousand words is like your ideal. Can mm. you imagine that? A thousand words? Like, I never, I almost never write a thousand words. Um, but it wants you to have that quality content. And that's why it's going to push those, those sites up farther. Gotcha. And this kind of relates back to updating your website. Firstly, this is so important. And it's the most important way. You should always keep your About Me pages updated to reflect the latest information. That also goes for your services, products, and FAQs. You do not want to have an About Me page. Like, I realized after a couple months after I had Ariel that my About Me page still said, um, you know, that I was a fashion, travel, and lifestyle blogger living with my husband and two cats in, you know, north of Boston. Like, I didn't even mention her. Yeah. And it was, you know, it was keeping me from other people that might find me relevant to their life, you know, not only as a mom, but also brands looking for mothers who, you know, to to reach out to. So that's really important. Same thing with your services and products. You don't want to have on your services page that you offer X, Y, Z when you actually don't. Um, So make sure that you keep those uh, up to date. It sounds, it sounds so, so obvious, but it sounds so obvious. But I mean, as I said, I'm supposedly supposed to be an expert on this and yeah, no, I I screw up all the time, you know, and it's, it is, it can be a lot of work. Um, We've actually talked about the idea of updating your, you know, updating your website as part of your batching content. So, you know, maybe someday you just take some time and you make sure that you're about me and all that is updated. Right. Um, The other way to do this is, you know, as I've harshed on blogging. Mm-hmm. Keeping your website fresh means that search engines are going to actually rank you higher. Now, it doesn't mean you have to blog two to three times a week like I do. But if you can get on a regular schedule, and I mean, like, as you said, you know, you were doing, you're doing two times a month. Yeah. One time a month, even. As long yeah. as you're keeping, you know, a schedule, Google is actually smart enough to figure that out. And they're going to realize that, okay. So and so is blogging or, or is is refreshing their website every single month. This is a website that has got new information on it, and they're going to push you up to the top. That's so there you so, go. That's so interesting. So in my course, um, where I teach 
you know, brand photography, I, that is one thing I recommend that they do as part of their overall sort of strategy um, funnel to get clients is, is blogging as a way to reach them. Um, and to your point, yes, get on a schedule, whether that's one time a month or maybe once every two months, maybe start mm-hmm. slow and see how it goes. Just do it regularly. And don't, you know, I, I started, as I said, I really started getting more regular about it last year when you kind of, when you came to me, because I feel like my juices started flowing a little bit better when it came mm-hmm. to like, okay, this is how we get back into it. And I started when, you know, twice, I actually started, I was doing it like once a month. Then I started doing it twice a month. Then I was starting to doing it, you know, once a week. And I added and added and, and just, but just don't get to a point where like you're doing it every day or whatever. Just and then for the you, sake of doing it. Just for the sake of doing it. Again, you want to make sure that you still have that quality content out there. Just because you're blogging every day, if you're not blogging something that's actually relevant to your audience or has some value to it, and you know, you've you've spoken about value, Google's not gonna overlook that part. So that leads me to my next question. Um, you know, so we talked about the five, you know, SEO things that you can do to help build, um, you know, incorporate into your blog, like as a holistic approach, but what mm-hmm. should a blog post actually contain? What are the things that you should be including with every single post that you write? So beyond the obvious, which is, and I laugh at this, correct grammar, punctuation <laughs> and spelling, um, you know, a cl- you should always you should have a clear purpose and a distinct voice but the three things that you should definitely have are great images mm-hmm. people are not going to want to go to a blog post and just read a ton of text and not have anything to break that text up that's pretty to look at mm-hmm. or interesting to look at right um you know it's just it's just not going to happen and by the way Jesse is my go-to so you know for anybody in the Boston area <laughs> just saying um Use your best SEO practices, those five things that I talked about, because that, you know, just because you write a great blog post, if you don't insert those keywords, if you don't insert a meta description, if you, if you aren't blogging on a, on a semi-regular basis, you're not going to, it's not, nobody's going to find you. Well, what's interesting is you can use that as a checklist for your blog. Like mm-hmm. on it, maybe you can create a little checklist to include into the show oh, notes. That's a good idea. Just a quickie, just a quickie to give that's our audience. So every time you write a blog post, you have your own internal standard operating procedure. Check, mm-hmm. check, check. Do you have your keywords? Do you have your yep. alt text? Do you have your meta description and select? Do you have your backlinks? Have you updated your website? Yeah. And if so. you don't know where all of this stuff is, like your meta description and slug and stuff, it's just take some time and poke around in your website because you will find it. And maybe it's called something different. And, you know, you can actually go onto your servers or website hosts about pages or information pages, and they should be able to tell you like, okay, like I know Squarespace, it's not called meta description. It's called SEO description. Mm-hmm. It's also not alt text. It's title for a photo. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So it might be called something different. That's why I'm trying to give direct, you know, definition so people yeah. understand. I mean people can just google for their yeah, specific Yeah, exactly, host. exactly. We're all we're all capable human beings. Uh last thing is a call to action mm-hmm. that is personal. So, you know, don't do the same one every single time and you know, if you don't if you want people to go to your Instagram, tell them to go to your Instagram. If you want them to get on your email list, tell them to get on your email list. 
but do it in a way that encourages your audience to reach out to you in some way because you want to essentially create a community. So you're no longer just this faceless personality behind a screen. That is what's going to keep people coming back to your website. You know, yes, it's great to always provide a great service and a great product. But people, you know, we've talked about the no like and trust factor. You got to do that as well to get people to actually keep coming back to you because nobody likes buying from, you know, an old fuddy-duddy stick in the mud or whatever you want to call them. Exactly. I'm trying to to refrain from swearing. (laughs) I love that. I love that because, yeah, so so for, for us, I know that sometimes it's like get in touch. Sometimes it's download my new guide or do mm-hmm. something. Um, you usually check just out your like, okay, caption bye. ideas. No, no. You want to make sure that and a lot of times I'll end it with a question. Like, um, you know, again, we're, we're recording this in February. So I've done a lot of Valentine's Day posts. And it was like, my latest one um, that's going to be posting is last minute Valentine's Day. Um, gift ideas. And so at the end, I said, you know, what are you, what are you giving for Valentine's Day? Or, you know, and then the other, then I ended it with, um, and if you haven't decided on what you're doing for Valentine's Day, here's a great guide. And I had also written up a guide of like neat things to do, because obviously we can't all go out to restaurants these days and do all the great date stuff we used to do because of COVID. Right. So, you know, calling, calling them to, you know, click on to another part of your website where you have more information or comment or join your email list. Those are all great ways. Love it. Love it. So, okay. So we've unpacked a lot, but mm-hmm. what I want to talk about next is, you know, okay, this is all well and good, but what if people are like, okay, thanks for the info, but I just don't have the time to do yeah, this or I a just, lot. I just really suck at writing and I hate it or, you know, all the things, what would you, what would you, what advice would you give to that person saying those things? Well, like you did, Jesse, outsource it. You know, <laughs> I know it's, it's an obvious it's, question. It's obvious. No, but it's it is true. Like, you know, as much as I want to say, oh, anybody can write. Yes, anybody can write. But if you really want to make sales or create a community and you aren't a writer or you don't feel sometimes it's just feeling comfortable. You know, sometimes it's even just hiring somebody out to show you how you can write a blog post because some people feel very vulnerable writing and putting something out on the internet there. So you can even just start, you know, start by hiring somebody to help you out. Like with almost that. like a coaching lesson, yeah. maybe write, write one for you. And then they could explain this is how, how they I do did it. it. This yeah. is what you need to look out for. Here's your checklist. Mm-hmm. You want to build your a template foot. for you. Exactly. And you, you know, you want to put that best foot forward with your blog because this is supposed to be where people get like the the intimate details more information than just like a product page or a service page they get to know you um so hiring somebody can be your best bet or as i said you know hiring somebody to start out with and having them kind of give you the information and you know i had one client who hired me for for blog posts and then she kind of understood how my process worked and she went on and did it on herself on her own mm-hmm. and she's doing really well with it so that's that's also an option and that's that is for there's a lot of blog writers or copy and content writers that are out there that are willing to to help you out with that right um 
And so. I and I would say for those that aren't ready to outsource at the moment, let's say you just don't have the budget or mm-hmm. you're just not at a point in your business where you want to outsource. Um, one thing that has worked really well with me with just content batching in general or content creation in general is, is just to batch. So let's say you do yeah. take the route where you're just going to, okay, you're going to take our advice and say, I'm going to blog regularly. I know I can commit to one blog post every two months. Mm-hmm. So, you know, at the first of the month, you're going to sit down and you're just going to write out maybe. And actually, if you're only doing it twice, once every two months, that's six blog posts a year. You could almost write out all of your blog posts Mm -hmm. in one day. So I would recommend trying to batch it because if you just hate doing it, instead of suffering like six days a year, why not do one day a year where you just get it all (laughs) out? You put your phone on airplane mode and you just bang it all out. Yeah. And then, you know, just make sure, you know, Grammarly is a great free resource for um, any kind of spelling punctuation. I know that you can like up, up level it and like mm. buy stuff, but I don't think it's necessary. Um, and then sometimes, sometimes, you know, if you don't have the money to re- outsource it again with a blog, nobody's going to be, I mean, as long as it has like a cohesive feel to it, nobody's going to be getting upset with you if you make a grammatical or punctuation error. Oh gosh, I send out stuff there. all the time with errors and people will DM me and be like, mm, you realize you spelled that wrong? And I'd be like, nope, but thanks. I will go correct it. And it doesn't mm. hurt my feelings because I, I know that that's, that's who I am. That's how I write. Yeah. And unfortunately, it's a pitfall of mine. But at the same time, it happens to that everybody, person, I'm, I appreciate them telling me yeah. and nobody's going to unfollow me because I made one typo. I mean, I have if a friend, they do, then I don't want them following me. Exactly. Exactly. I have a friend from uh, grad, um, uh, grad school and, you know, again, went to school for television and broadcast journalism. So we should know how to write and spell things and everything. And every once in a while, I hear from him, you spelled there wrong again. If I, uh, if I ever <laughs> figure out the differences between there and there, I will just, I'll probably be dead the next day because I never, like, that's just one I, everybody has their, blo- their their brain blocks but and exactly exactly so some and sometimes just getting out there sometimes even just saying okay this is my first blog post or I'm new to this but here I go at the beginning of a blog post and just putting it out there somebody's going to appreciate it yeah I would This has been so amazing. So where (laughs) no, this has been an amazing, amazing. I mean, I've learned a lot, even though like, it's funny, because I just tell you, I just give everything to you. So I I don't know a lot that goes on to the back end. I know that you've told me this is what you do. But I didn't actually know what it because the other day when I was going over this with you and like, did I I know that? And I was like, yeah, we've talked about that. Exactly, exactly. (laughs) Um, But where can people find you where they can they read about your blog and possibly learn? about any of your freelance um, services? Sure. So fashionablykateandcompany.com is where you can find out more about me and look at my posts. Uh, But you can also check out, I have a portfolio underneath my about tab um, where you can see more of my freelance work. A lot of it featured by Jesse Wyman's blog, Jesse Wyman Photography. I I almost, almost should put like, where can they find me? Find you jessiewymanphotography.com. Well, you're um, also going to be blogging for um, my new website that will be launching soon. Yes. So we're excited. I'm excited to have you sort of bridge um, both of my brands. I'm, I'm really excited about it. Um, this conversation was 
so amazing. So for me, I'm just going to like recap for our audience. Okay. That's what I learned. Okay. So the five SEO tips for your website, you want to plan your keywords. So use that keyword planner. Google has one Uber suggest. You're then going to make sure that all of your images have that alt text, um, like keywords plugged in. So you're going to have to figure out whether they call it alt text or just your title on whatever website platform you use, but make sure you're not just uploading an image that says DSC 004 hundred, whatever you want to actually change that to like Boston brand photographer instead, Mm -hmm. um, change your meta description and slug. So that's going to be in each of your pages, your blog posts and all of your pages on your website. So you can actually optimize your website stronger as well as your blog. Use the backlinks, which are links that you're going to have in your blog that are going to link within your website and anything else as well. But the backlinks inside your blog are going to help you with that bounce rate, which I had no idea about. If you have a good, like a a, a, a low bounce rate, that's going to actually help your rankings on Google. And mm-hmm. then make sure that you just regularly update your blog because obviously Google's going to say, oh, this blog has not been touched in 10 years. We don't even want to show it on the first 20 pages. So yeah. Um, so and even going to that point, like even, even ignoring the whole Google factor, let's face it. If you go to a website and it hasn't been updated in forever and it's like, you know, you can tell it's like a 1990s photo. (laughs) It's like a DOS program built it. Yeah. We've talked about this in terms of an image point standpoint for your blog. You know, if people haven't updated their blog in a while or their, or their website in general, you're probably not going to trust them. Yeah. They're a little sketchy. Right. Exactly. Thanks for watch for watching. <laughs> That's back to my TV days. Thank yes, you so exactly. much for listening to Cocktails and Content Creation. If you want to check out the show notes, head to cocktailsandcontentcreation.com. Make sure to leave, join our Facebook group. We'd love to have you over on Cocktails and Content mm-hmm. Creation community. You can follow us on Instagram at Cocktails and Content Creation. And we'd love it if you'd leave us an, a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. We also would love to hear if you have any guest suggestions. You can email us at cocktailsandcontentcreation at gmail.com. I'm Katie Andrews. And you can follow for like the millionth time on the show. I know. <laughs> and you can follow <laughs> me on Instagram at Fashionably Kate and Go. And I'm Jesse Wyman. You can follow me on Instagram at Jesse Wyman Photos. Or if you're a brand photographer or a photographer looking to get into brand photography, I am at the brand photographer method. All right. Make sure to tune in next time for another great episode. And until then, cheers to your next cocktail. And happy content creator.